The Craft Food Classroom is a comprehensive and in-depth five-part online, go-at-your-own-pace course that will provide everything needed to build a thriving food business. Each module includes a video, presentation, workbook, and quiz. This course teaches students exactly what they need to know to succeed in the craft food industry and avoid pitfalls and costly mistakes. Learn more at thecentral.kitchen/classroom and you can use podcast21 at checkout for 10% off anytime. Again, that code is podcast21 for 10% off. Hey, I know you're here for the podcast, but give me 30 seconds to talk about a new service we just released for anyone working in a CPG brand. Finding the perfect co-packer or supplier can be a real pain. You spend hours Googling options, texting your colleagues, asking around different Slack groups, and still you get nothing. That's why we created Fiddle Connect Consulting, a done-for-you service that does all of the hard work of finding your dream co-packer or supplier. Best of all, it's 100% guaranteed and you get three free months of Fiddle Inventory Operations software included. Interested? Just go to lp.fiddle.io forward slash FCC. That's lp.fiddle.io forward slash FCC. Now, on with the episode. Welcome to the Physical Product Movement, a podcast by Fiddle. We share stories of the world's most ambitious and exciting physical product brands to help you capitalize on the monumental change in how, why, and where consumers buy. I'm your host, Ken Ojuka. episode, I talk with Mark Seiden, co-founder and CEO of Cloudwater. Cloudwater is a leading, functional, all-natural CBD beverage brand. Mark talks about the challenges of leading his company through the last year of COVID and how they've been able to thrive and become stronger through these unprecedented challenges. Mark spent some time explaining the difficulties and opportunities in the beverage space and how to compete against established giants like Coca-Cola. Lastly, he talks about the importance of understanding your landed costs, distributor margins, retailer margins, and shipping and promotional costs, and why this is absolutely vital to your success as a physical products company. This is a jam-packed interview that you won't want to miss. Enjoy. All right. Hey, Mark. Uh, welcome. Thanks for, for joining me. appreciate it. Hey, uh, Ken. Thank you for having me. It's uh, you know delightful to be here and always appreciate an opportunity uh, you know, to chat. Yeah, yeah, cool. Um, wh- where are you calling us from? I'm in uh, New York City, New York. Uh, sunny, 80 degrees, and uh, life is returning, you know, to as normal as, uh, you know, compos- as possible. And New York City has this pulse and energy that, you know, New Yorkers, you know, kind of, you know, get hold of and sorely miss when it wasn't there, but it's certainly back. And, uh, and just speaking to fellow New Yorkers, there's this kind of euphoric sense of, you know, relief and feeling that, hey, this the energy of the city is back. Uh, you know, there's some things to <laughs> to work on here, uh, as always. But it's it's really great to see life returning to normal. I wish that for, uh, you know, everybody, you know, no matter who's listening and where they are, it's so important for all of us. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I absolutely, I, I love New York, um, especially in the, in the springtime, um, spent some time out there. Um, I think it's beautiful. There's always this energy, um, especially, especially in the spring, it just seems like you're coming out of winter and, and, uh, you know, it's just very optimistic and fun. And, and, uh, I think especially now coming out of COVID, um, you're probably feeling that. Well, I was going to say COVID was a very, very, very long winter. <laughs> so, uh, very apropos that we're, you know, kind of coming out in spring, which is usually the, the exact way you described it. Uh, just took a, you know, a few extra seasons, if you will, to, to get us, you know, is one full cycle from spring to spring to get us back here. But, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it feels great. Well, great. Um, well, um, your, your company is Cloudwater, um, Cloudwater Brands. Um, why don't you tell us just a little bit about it and um, um, what, what makes you guys unique in the market? Sure. Uh, so Cloudwater Brands has, uh, you know, two lines of uh, functional uh, beverages. One is our, our hemp or CBD line uh, that uh, comes in four artisanal uh, flavors, uh, grapefruit, mint, and basil, blood orange, coconut, uh, blackberry, lemon, and rosemary, and our Aztec chocolate and strawberry. And that was, uh, you know, our launch off point for the brand uh, in about mid 2019. And uh, I, you know, I don't come from a, a beverage background. Uh, and I was, I don't want to say I was forced into this, uh, but it, it kind of fell into my lap. So, you know, as I talk about the brand and the people and, the, you know, those around us, it, it really has little to do with me and more to do with these incredible people uh, that I get to, I say, go to war with every day. Uh, but, you know, when we sat around and, you know, decided that we wanted to launch a CBD beverage, you know, the, the first couple of things we, we looked at was, you know, we're going to be launching into a very crowded space. And, you know, we were one of the first movers. But, you know, one of the things that we um, can do, you know, to make us unique, as you ask, rise above the noise, as we say, and not pound our chest and say, hey, we're better. And hey, look at us is what can we do that will resonate and, you know, really, you know, capture and captivate, uh, you know, the audience that we want to, to reach. And so there are a few attributes or characteristics that we really honed in on. And the first was, uh, you know, kind of our branding. Uh, you know, we didn't spend a lot of money with branding agencies, although we did go through a process uh, of nomenclature and Cloudwater kind of happened by accident. It's a, it's a long story. I won't get into it, but we loved the name and we wanted to create packaging that would, you know, really stick out and kind of elicit some sen senses in, in people as they look at it uh, to say, hey, what's that? And, you know, next uh, was you know, really a simple, simple ingredient panel uh, that would make up our flavor profiles. Uh, we happen to have six ingredients. Uh, you can pronounce them all, and they're all either all natural or organic, and they're good for you. And then the most important thing is obviously taste. And, you know, in functionality and wellness, there's been kind of a, you know, a, a large sacrifice, at least in my humble opinion, uh, for that functionality when it comes to taste. And we've always operated under this ethos that let's have our, our customers have their cake and eat it too. You know, let's make really good for you efficacious drinks uh, that look great and taste great. And so it took us some time and we went a little slower. Uh, but, you know, we launched uh, that line and those flavors. Uh, and, uh, you know, to, to, to our surprise, although we were, you know, aspirational, 
we were we were nominated, you know, right out of the gate for best new beverage by Bevnet, and made it to the finals, which you know really nice. helped us kind of get on the map, right? Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. So that you know that that was uh, that was very exciting, and you know we you know we build our our social communities and our, our networks, you know, brick by brick, uh, and because that's a feedback loop for us because we want to hear. What are we doing well? And most importantly, what are we not doing well? Where can we excel? And we've done a lot of tweaks, uh, you know, to either the packaging or some flavor formulas or whatever, uh, you know, based on really listening to our consumers. And I cannot underscore how important that is for a small brand that has, you know, large aspirations is if you're not listening, you're not going to get there. Well, you might, but I think, it, it, you know, in general terms, you know, it's, it's really good to listen. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Well, let's, let's double click on a couple, uh, a couple of those things. You know, first of all, you know, you said you don't have a beverage background. I want to hear a little bit more about your, your career, your background and, and kind of where you're coming from. Um, and then you mentioned also that you kind of fell into this and, and it kind of fell on your lap. Uh, kind of want to hear a little bit about that. Sure. Uh, well, you know, I'm a poker player uh, in my leisure time. And any poker players out there know that uh, there's some skill to it, but you certainly need a lot of luck. So I love saying I'd rather be lucky than good. Uh, and, you know, I, I was running a, a real estate uh, information and technology business uh, that uh, I had started in my basement with a, uh, a partner about 15 years back. And that's uh, what onboard informatics is that the name? That's of the correct. Company? Yeah. Okay. Basically, we aggregated uh, data on every neighborhood in the country, and we sold it to companies like Zillow and Caldwell Banker, and any data that you would see out there around a listing uh, was, you know, what my company provided and pioneered, you know, on the internet. And uh, you know, the the great thing about that experience, although it took many more years than we thought, doesn't it always? Is that uh, we, you know, it was a self-funded business. So uh, we really learned how to operate through extreme adversity, you know, two recessions, the financial crisis and, and so forth, and even a buyout offer that got taken away from us during that financial crisis. And so um, it, it really taught my partner and I, you know, the things, and we made so many mistakes, by the way, but it really taught us, you know, how to operate uh, and, you know, what, what it really takes to build chops in a business, regardless of what industry you're in. And we were lucky enough to exit that business in uh, 2018. And it wasn't retirement money, but it certainly felt good to get through that adversity and finish. You get, I guess, this little proverbial badge that, hey, you know, we exited a company. But, uh, you know, I made a sure. conscious decision that I was going to take a break, right? I mean, I grinded for 15 years. Let me, you know, let me chill out for a little while. And just as I was kind of soaking into that lounge chair and you know, relaxing, I get a knock on the door and it's opportunity, right? And entrepreneurs, you know, who are out there, you know, you don't ever say come back later, right? You jump out of your chair and say, what do you got? And it was my, you know, good friend and my now co-founder, Barry Kelman. And Barry, you know, said I was out on the West Coast and I tried some CBD waters and they absolutely tasted like crap. His sister uh, happens to run a really reputable flavor house here on the East Coast. So Barry brought back some samples of CBD and Ellie whipped up some flavor profiles and Barry started to walk around and have people try it. And he got a, a really great response from it. Hmm. Uh, so he, he then came to me and said, look, I, I think there's something here. I really don't know how to start and operate a business. Can you help me? 
And I said, sure. And at that time, I was just helping him out as a friend. So I made some introductions and said, hey, go meet this person, that person, this person. And I got subsequently invited to kind of a third meeting between the group. And he asked me to come. And I said, sure, I'll come. And I just listened as they talked and talked. And, you know, I was not that I wasn't paying attention, but some of it didn't make sense to me because I knew nothing about Beverly. Uh, and I turned to Barry at one point. The only thing I offered at the meeting was, Barry, just make sure you find a good CEO. And everybody in the room started looking at me. And I said, what are you guys looking at me for? <laughs> and, you know, one of the guys who's now, you know, a, a founding advisor of the brand said, Sidon, you're the guy. I'm like, how am I the guy? I don't know anything about beverage. He's like, trust me, you're the guy. So they leave, Bar Barry corners me, and he's like, you're my guy. I want you to be my co-founder and, you know, CEO. And I didn't say yes right there, but to, you know, in the interest of time and your audience is boredom, uh, one thing led to another and I finally accepted to come on and, you know, co-found the business and, and be its CEO. And, you know, here we are a few years later and what a journey it's been. Um, so let me, let me pause. It's, you know, I, sure. I, I'd be remiss if I didn't, you know, talk about, I'm no hero here. I didn't think this up. And certainly I wouldn't be here without the incredible people, you know, that are involved in cloud, but you know, uh, that, that's kind of how it started. And, you know, it's always those happy accidents, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I especially like your point about, you know, when opportunity knocks, you, you get up and answer that door, you know, um, no matter what you're doing. If it's um, in your blood, it's, you know, if you're a Marine and you come home and you hear your brothers are, you know, back at, you know, in the war zone, you jump up and go. I mean, it's just, it's in your blood. It's innate. You know, I can't help sure. it. And I know, I know a lot of entrepreneurs feel the same way. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so you mentioned um, functional beverage, you know, let's just double click on that, on that term a little bit. What, what, what exactly does that mean? Yeah. So, and that's a really great question because, you know, we throw terms around like wellness and functional and, and what have you. Functional to me is, uh, you know, first and foremost, I mean, there's, it's science-based, so it's not a claim we put on the label uh, that makes your brain think, hey, I'm going to take this and, you know, great things are going to happen. Uh, you know, it's a science-based, uh, you know, ingredient or ingredients that have an efficacious impact on, you know, your mind, your body, or, you know, I'll even say your soul. And when it, you know, comes to CBD, it's something I uh, took a course on and really studied it, uh, you know, to come into this role. I was absolutely blown away by the medicinal properties, uh, the fact that our body naturally metabolizes, you know, CBD because of how our central nervous system is set up. And first and foremost, how it was, you know, found to just um, provide balance or homeostasis within your central nervous system. That and that alone to me is really functional, especially as a New Yorker where we're, you know, we're always walking around, we're always in a rush, uh, you know, our RPMs are revving really high. And here's something that in the right doses taken, you know, in the right way can actually bring you to idle. You know, a lot of people talk about CBD as like it, you know, chill out and, and chill. Yes, there's a chill effect, but the chill effect is really just bringing your busy brain or your anxiety or whatever to a lower level where you can be more lucid and function. And to me, that's functional, right? And, mm -hmm. uh, so I became very enamored with that. And you'll see, as I talk about some of our other products and the things we're going to do in the future, it really has to be something that's science backed and it has to be efficacious. Like it's not 2% of a recommended daily allowance. So we can put a vitamin, 
you know, or an ingredient on our label. It has to do for us, our bars, it has to um, contain something that's going to have an impact uh, on, on your wellness. Right. And so that's kind of how we define it. You may see it differently. That's my, you know, kind of humble perspective, if you will. No, that's a good explanation. Um, and then you, you've also launched, you know, a couple other, um, you know, product lines um, and immunity looks like it's one and then merch. Uh, do you mind explaining some of those? Yeah. So uh, merch is the low hanging you know, fruit. Um, part of the great team I work with, uh, one of them happens to be my wife and she is a incredibly talented uh, uh, fashion designer who, uh, you know, just, heard me yapping away every day on the phone about cloud water and started to get involved. And like so many other people, she was organically drawn to the brand and she started to take, you know, she designed our social. She actually was instrumental in designing our packaging and and so forth. And she just started making some cool wearables and, Mm -hmm. you know, we threw them up on, you know, social and the website and people went absolutely crazy for them. I wouldn't call it a major product line and, you know, we're not really, relying on that as revenue, but, you know, as many trying to build, you know, more of just a product line and more of a lifestyle brand or a brand that people, you know, have fun interacting with. Some of our wearables are are pretty cool, you know, driven by our logo and and things like that. So that's, that's the low hanging fruit. Um, We launched Cloudwater plus immunity uh, in the height of COVID. And again, these are some of these things that you don't plan for uh, where, you know, we had, just started to distribute our hemp line and any, any business savvy or not even savvy person would say, how in God's name would you launch a second product when your first product is still trying to get out there? And that's a damn good question. Uh, you know, the headwinds we were facing as many were, were, you know, obviously with COVID and retail slowing down, but one of the biggest uh, considerations we had to take into effect, into account was that uh, in the CBD space, we are all waiting for a, you know, a federally regulated uh, framework from the FDA. Right. Uh, and as we know, they have been threatening to create a framework, uh, making it officially legal uh, to put CBD uh, into food and beverage and distribute it. Uh, they have not done much of that at all. And with the advent of COVID, and rightfully so, they were going to be busy uh, doing you know, what, what they were doing, leading the charge on uh, therapeutics and obviously vaccines. So as a startup that's burning money and, you know, now inching along, uh, we, we had to do something, uh, you know, we, we launched a digital strategy, uh, you know, for the brand, which helped carry us for a while, but it wasn't going to be enough. So, uh, another incredible, uh, woman that I work with is Dr. Carol Dollard. She's our COO. Carol, uh, was instrumental in building vitamin water. She was vitamins water, vitamin water COO, and she has a PhD in biochemistry. And I called Carol. I said, look, uh, we have to do something. Do you think people would drink cloud water, uh, you know, without the CBD? And we went back to a lot of their feedback, and this is why a community is so important. What are your mm-hmm. customers saying about your brand? And, you know, a lot of them would just call out, you know, the great taste. So let's create a product with great taste, um, and let's take the CBD out and let's put something else in, right? And it, was, it took, you know, all of 30 seconds to come up with something that would be immune support. And, you know, as I said before, uh, you know, we wanted to use ingredients that would resonate. 
that people could pronounce and understand, and that would be top of mind. And we came up with vitamin D3 and zinc. And so we launched within a matter of 60 days. Uh, you know, we cr- took the same flavor profiles in our hemp line, created some new packaging, a slim can versus the bottle. We augmented the, you know, the branding a little, and we went to press, and we launched that. Uh, and it's actually done wonders for the brand. It certainly complicates, you know, the landscape and it, it creates a little bit, you know, more chaos, if you will. But it did open a national artery uh, of distribution for us uh, because one of the issues with CBD is that the big distributors nationwide were not taking CBD products, nor were or and still are some of the larger chains, natural chains specifically, like a Sprouts or a Whole Foods. So, um you know, we, we now have an opportunity and work with some very large national distributors and are getting into chains and independent markets all across the country uh, because of this, you know, some people call it a pivot. It's really an evolution or a line extension, uh, which we had planned for. We just did it prematurely. And, uh, you know, it's, it's resonating very well, uh, you know, with our core audience who's also concerned with their immunity and immune support. Yeah, understood. I mean, just so so we kind of have an idea, you know, what what percentage of your business, you know, would you say, you know, between the the, the two main lines there? Yeah. So and, and that uh, that's a moving target. Uh, we launched the immunity, uh, you know, probably in December of last year. Um, so uh, right now it's about fifty fifty. Uh, yeah. We do expect this year uh, that immunity will, you know, take the lead because. Uh, you know, we're getting into some chains and, and chains are 20, 30, 50, a couple hundred stores at a clip. And, you know, the order sizes start to go up and that velocity starts to go up. Um, but, you know, the underlying strategy there is let's get a cloud water product on a shelf and let's get the brand out there. And, you know, CBD is our star. We're not giving up on it. We are huge believers in the category. And so we, we do anticipate a slingshot effect, if you will, uh, by getting placement in some of these chains with our immunity product. Once uh, the FDA does come around, and we certainly anticipate they will, we'll go back to the chains and say, you know, hey, we have this other skew, this other line, and we can foresee, uh, you know, some pretty rapid growth, you know, in the, uh, in the hemp in the CBD line as well, which is growing every day as well. Everything is growing right now, thank goodness. Mm-hmm. But uh, to answer your, you know, insightful question, uh, it's 50-50 and, and, you know, that's exactly where we want to be. That just means we're doing more business out there. We're reaching more customers and let them beat the crap out of each other, <laughs> quite frankly, because, <laughs> you know, my, my, you know, my, you know, daily grind is let's just get this can, this, you know, a cloud water product into somebody's hands. And I say this humbly, but overwhelmingly, in the 98 percentile, people come back and, and are quite, um, I was going to say obsessed, but uh, they're quite intrigued and they're very attracted to the, you know, the products that we produce. And that's great news for us. So it's just a question of continuing to grind and drive trial and get our products out there. Yeah, I think obsessed is a, is a great word to use, actually. You know, and you, you want people obsessed with your product. Um, I do. It means, I, it but means I want you're them creating to a great it. thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> You know, um, this, I think this brings up a, a pretty good talking point. Um, you know, what what advice would you give for anybody that's that's entering, um, let's just say, kind of a 
um, or entering a market where they, they might have an ingredient that's more controversial or, you know, is more regulated, um, kind of like, like CBD. Um, what, what would you, you know, what, what kind of advice could you give to, to somebody and, and what would you maybe need to do different than, than launching a different product? Yeah. So a couple of things. I love your question, by the way. Um, you know, if you don't know the answer to, you know, one of, one of your prevailing questions or goals, then uh, you have to account for, uh, you know, just some curveballs, right? And, you know, I don't want to use the word arrogance, but if you sit there and build a business on CBD as we did and say, yeah, the FDA is going to approve it, their FDA is going to approve it. And then, you know, three months into launch, not only didn't the FDA approve it, New York City banned it, <laughs> right? Mm. And we're like, whoa, what are we doing? So, um, you know, good, good entrepreneurs are on their toes and, you know, they're going to hopefully anticipate uh, that if the landscape has not been framed out, that they are going to run into delays and everything is going to take exponentially longer. So first and foremost, plan out financially, right? Make sure that, you know, whatever runway you gave yourself, add a multiple to that because you're going to need it. Number two is controversy means education. And, you know, I was in a hotel one evening, I'll never forget this. And I uh, held out a bottle proudly and I said, Hey, do you want to try my CBD drink? And the person had a visceral reaction, almost like I pulled out a knife. They're like, well, what is that? Is that, that going to get me high? Or, you know, no, I don't smoke pot or whatever. And, you know, it, it punched me in the gut and, and I'm glad it happened there. Is that, wow, you know what? I may know about this. I might be in love with this. I'm staring at the cereal box. But there's a lot of people out there that don't really understand this compound yet. And so, you know, we immediately embarked on an educational process. Stop the selling and start educating because the best sales, you know, folks are the sales engineers, right? They're the ones educating the customer on the value that they're getting or what they're actually getting instead of a salesman who's you know, trying to shove something down their throat. So uh, just make sure that, you know, you, 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 you know that it's synonymous, that if there's controversy, uh, there's going to be a level of education and underestimating those things will, uh, greatly impact your forecast, your time to market, your go-to-market strategies, and, thing, and things like that. I think it's wonderful to be disruptive, but you have to do it with your eyes wide open. And, you know, wishing and hoping are not going to pay the bills and certainly not going to invite, you know, other rounds of investors in if you haven't, you know, been anticipatory about these issues. I hope that helps. No, I think it definitely helps. Um, just kind of a follow-up question on that. It's, um, so if you're launching into one of these, you know, more controversial markets, I've often heard of people talk about um, some of the advantages uh, of it. You know, um, would you uh, I, I, would you agree that there's some advantages to entering a market like that? That's, you know, in the news, that's uh, you know, top of mind for, for a lot of people, um, you know, that can help actually propel your, your brand forward. Yeah. And, and you know, uh, I, I said and I mean it. I think disruption is beautiful. And, and I think, I hope we're, we're saying the same thing. I think launching in, you know, into that controversial kind of, uh, you know, dynamic, uh, is a bit of disruption, right? Cause if it wasn't everybody, it would be ubiquitous or everybody would accept it or it wouldn't be on the news. Right. But you know, that doesn't translate to, it might be top of mind. And a lot of people were seeing things about CBD, but they didn't know what the heck it was. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when people say, is that going to show up on a drug test? 
uh, like it's CBD. And they're like, well, what's the difference? So they might have listened and heard it, but they didn't really understand it to a level where they would take money out of their pocket or let alone put it in their body, even if it was free, right? So all I'm saying is, yes, launch into those headwinds, but launch into them with anticipation of the, the boxes you're going to need to check to get over those hurdles, right? And thankfully, thankfully for us, um, you know, we found that out very early. And yeah, we, of course, we thought about it. But you know, again, you don't know what the battle is going to be like until you fire that first bullet. And me holding out that sample was like that first b- bullet of the battle. And in every battle in any war book you might ever read, you know, any battle plan changes the minute that first bullet is shot, right? Right. And so we huddled back up and said, okay, team, we have to do layers of education here. People don't know what the bleep this stuff is. I don't care if it's in every headline. They're not going into the science. They don't understand what it's made of. If it's going to get them high, does it show up on a drug test or whatever? And today, you know, that's 1% of the questions we got. When we launched, it was 110% of the questions that we got. So um, I I love that. I mean, I, you know, that challenge, that disruption, that's what, gets us up in the morning and, you know, we'll all take on a great challenge. My advice, you know, as you asked, is simply just to have those eyes wider open, if not already, that, you know, what you're getting yourself into. And those unanswered questions are are either going to be your best friend if you hit them head on, or they're going to come back and kill your brand. And that's why we see some brands, you know, unfortunately go out because they did not anticipate some of those headwinds or they couldn't withstand them. And that's unfortunate because they might have had a great idea and a great product. Understood. Um, let's talk just a little bit, you know, more broader challenges with launching a beverage brand versus, you know, let's say just another food brand. Um, what, what are some of the, the maybe logistical or, um, uh, yeah, I guess just unique challenges of, of being a beverage? You know, sometimes ignorance is bliss. So, you know, when we launch our product, I'm like, wow, this looks great. <laughs> it tastes great. Uh, you know, let's just get it out there. And, uh, you know, talking about going into something with your eyes wide open, uh, anybody that's been in CPG retail uh, knows exactly, you know, what I'm talking about. And if you're not, um, it is one of the most difficult uh, areas uh, to undertake. There are so many moving parts uh, for just getting a bottle from your warehouse to the shelf, right? And then getting it sold and making money on that. Uh, there's everybody has a handout. There are charges for everything. And not to mention that, I mean, it, it, it's, it's almost short, short, short of a miracle to get your product on a shelf because it is so incredibly crowded out there and very busy. You know, the days of the billion dollar brand are behind us. And now you have a lot of brands like Cloudwater uh, micro brands, newer brands, while we may be serving as innovators to some of the bigger companies, we're not going anywhere unless, you know, we produce a good product, we make our margins, we get on shelf, and most importantly, you have to sell it, right? It's not, hey, we got into stop and shop, nobody buys it, it's not a win. It's the second and third and the fourth, you know, repeat, uh, you know, purchase. So how do you get on a shelf in a, you know, in a, a market that has 5,000 pr- other products and let people know you're there? So then you have to do in-store programming and in-store promotions and digital. I mean, it's incredibly complicated 
to you know get a brand out there, get it on shelf, uh, make your margins, and and sell it. Uh, and it's obviously doable, but it it it's one of one of the greatest undertakings I've taken on in my professional life. <laughs> if I can if I can distill it down, it's pretty incredible. And I'm not yeah. trying to dissuade anybody out there. Uh, but again, I, I'm just speaking from experience and somebody who came into this, you know, not knowing much of anything. And man, I've learned so much over the past two years. Um, and it's one of the more you know difficult uh, things to undertake for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, and you mentioned margins, you know, and I think that's something that, um, that a lot of people underestimate, um, uh, you know, how much of, uh, they, they need to give up along the way um, before that gets into a customer's hands. Maybe you could uh, break down, you know, just some, some rough numbers or like hypothetical numbers. You know, if you, if you make a product, um, you know, w- what you can expect uh, to sell it to the retailer for, um, and then just kind of looking at profit. Um, so, uh, you know, like, like, uh, you know, what, what percentages, what, what kind of markups do you need to take into consideration, you know, when, when you're doing this? Sure. Sure. Uh, you know, so first and foremost, you have to have your landed cost down to the penny, right? So from whatever vessel to your entire supply side to, you know, raw goods, uh, your ingredients, everything down to the penny. And it is a business of pennies, right? Because uh, that's landed. That means it is now, you know, has shrink wrap on it in your warehouse and it's ready to go. Typically in retail, it's going to go from that warehouse to a distributor. Distributors work on anywhere from a 20 to a 40%, you know, gross margin. Um, so you have to account for that. Uh, in doing that, you know, you set kind of an MSRP or an SRP for your product where, uh, hey, this product should sell, you know, at two ninety nine, right? And knowing that and working backwards, uh, you take your landed costs, you take your distributor markup, and retailers make anywhere from 25 to 40% as well. So, you know, you have to calculate all of those markups along the way, um, you know, to get to your SRP. One of the things that we was a great misstep on our part when we launched is, you know, we wanted to be a premium product. Uh, we priced it way too high. Um, and the good news is, is that, you know, we, we had margin room. There wasn't a margin issue. It was just more of our ignorance or arrogance or whatever you want to call it. Uh, but the, the, the real test for us came when we, you know, we came back down to earth and said, okay, this is not a six ninety nine product. It's a three ninety nine to four ninety nine product, right? And you know, thankfully, uh, because of the team we have, we're able to optimize our our cogs, our cost of goods, and you know, still be able to hit that SRP, knowing that you know the distributor and the retailer were making their margin. It could have been a fatal mistake, uh, right? Because at six ninety nine, it wasn't selling at the velocity that we wanted to. Plus, we, you know, we wanted to launch as an on-premise brand and be, you know, kind of high profile and hospitality and so forth. And those price points were perfect for that. But, you know, after COVID, we were forced into a more retail strategy and we had to lower our pricing and it could have killed our brand. And again, thankfully, uh, you know, we were a step ahead of that and really thought through it. So, you know, obviously, uh, you know, knowing your exact cogs to the penny to what your shelf price is going to be. It, it, it's, a, it's an exact science. There's no estimation. Um, and that gets you to kind of your gross margin. Uh, but after that, you know, you're not getting on shelf in retailers or driving trial 
without giving promos, without, uh, you know, giving what we call give guests, like giving a retailer a reason to try your product. So you might sell them three cases and give them one free that eats into margin. Uh, you might, you know, give um, off invite, uh, off invoice promos that, hey, you know, two, two, you know, two for five or two for this. That all, every every charge that goes to the customer gets billed back to the supplier to us, right? Nobody else is picking up the bill. So you also have to build in promos and things about giving that product away. And this is what kills a lot of brands. Also, they give way too much product away. Um, you know, they're burning cash and uh, ultimately their margins are just too low to sustain it. So uh, make sure that if you are going into the space that you, the financial side of your business is, is you know, um, is headed by somebody that has extensive experience in, you know, this side of the business. I don't care how great your product is. If you can't make your margins or you can't do your promos, you can't support retail, you will not make it. Plain and simple. All right. I think that's a, that's a good, uh, good explanation um, of kind of painting that landscape for us. And, and I, and I really do appreciate the, you know, the, the items that you brought up about what kills, um, you know, some fledging fledgling uh, brands that are trying to go out there is not considering um, for instance, landed costs, you know, that you're not calculating everything into that. Um, Not thinking about promos. Um, not thinking about the margins that you're giving up to the retailers and to the, to the distributors. Um, right. And they're shipping to your distributor. Somebody's paying for that. Mm-hmm. It's, it's going to be you. <laughs> and that could be 50 cents a case. But if you don't put that on your landing, you know, your COGS or somewhere on your, your P&L, that's eating into margin. Every single penny is eating into your margin. Right. And, you know, as a new brand, you, you want to maintain margins, in my opinion, you know, north of 30%. When you go to raise institutional money, they want to see margins at 40 or 50% or at least a pathway to that. When you get purchased by Coca-Cola, they want to know that, you know, they could take your entire infrastructure and, and make it that even larger, right? So it's about creating pathways. And you don't want to come out as a new brand and have 70% margins. That means that you're not promoing enough or giving too much away. Uh, you know, you want to drive trial. So it's actually interesting. It's different stages of your business, you know, what are healthy margins, you know, to have and use that margin to your advantage. If there's excess margin, then give better deals and drive more trials. The only way you're going to get the velocity and the turns is by getting, you know, more product out there and use that margin to your advantage. Uh, so it, it's, it's definitely a science. And, and again, again, as I talk about my team, thank God I have the team that I do because uh, I would not have known about any of this, uh, no matter what I've done in the past and what I can say about my resume, these are things that I've learned on the job and I've had amazing people around me, which I can lecture all day long. Is, you know, entrepreneurs are sometimes not CEOs. You know, we have to earn our stripes in terms of operations just because we have a great idea doesn't make us true CEOs. I didn't become a real CEO until I started Cloudwater and I was a CEO of, uh, on board for 15 years. And uh, that's a, you know, pretty stark type of statement, but, um, you know, now I look back and now I understand so much more about what I learned in the past, but what it actually takes, you know, to, to lead a company and, you know, know your strengths and get the hell out of the way if you don't have them and put somebody in there that does. And that makes you a great leader, not somebody who's weak. And that's pretty academic, but unfortunately some people run with ego and they run right into a wall. 
let's uh, let's change gears just a little bit. Um, you guys just just recently um, uh, got got into Stop and Shop, um, and I understand that's still rolling out. Is that true? Yeah, we're we just uh, landed, and we're in on shelf on 110 Stop and Shops on the East Coast, which was a you know really nice sweet victory for us in in the middle of COVID, and you know is really starting to prove out that model for that was our immunity line, you know, to get into a bigger chain, to get 110 stores, you know, at a clip. Uh, but yeah, uh, up and down the East coast, we are uh, in those stores as we speak. So how, how did that uh, come about? Maybe you could tell us how, how you got on their radar and, and, and how you got the deal. Yeah. So like any other industry, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of relationship based, uh, you know, stuff going on. And, uh, we have a, you know, just a lot of, uh, you know, uh, beverage kind of veterans and, and, and experts on our team. And, uh, really the key is a buyer's not going to buy you as a favor to a friend, but a buyer might pay more attention to you if they know you're coming in or somebody makes a phone call and says, Hey, make sure you give the brand a look. There's something pretty special here. And that was the case uh, with Stop and Shop, and they were incredibly gracious to give us a shot because we're a young brand. Uh, but they spent a little extra time looking at our brand, listening to what we have to offer uh, beyond just a sales deck and a sample. Uh, and you know, they they really appreciated our pa- our passion and our approach, and most importantly, that we would fully support the partnership uh, and you know uh, really help to build it. And those those ingredients, you know, kind of led to their decision. We've been turned down just as fast by other chains uh, because we didn't have those types of things installed in the sales process, right? So uh, again, it's, I don't, you know, we think we have a great product and our customers are, you know, again, obsessed with it, but that doesn't mean a buyer is going to see it that way. And, uh, you know, again, there's some luck of the draw there, uh, you know, uh, you know, to get in front of these buyers and really try to make a strong argument, you know, why you versus another brand. And it's not just because we taste great, because there's a lot of, you know, power and passion behind this brand that's going to drive the success of the partnership. And uh, you mentioned a little bit about COVID um, in some of your remarks. What, what, what's uh, been the effect of COVID uh, on your business? So, um, uh, you know, taking some pages out of my previous experience when uh, we were running a real estate business, you know, through the financial crisis of you know, 2008, uh, I huddled up with the team. Uh, first thing I said is, look, we're not going to fire anybody. So everybody's job is safe. And uh, maybe I was lying. I don't know, but I, I did commit to everybody uh, <laughs> because, you know, look, we're, we're all scared enough. And I'm like, we're going to, we're going to make this through one way or another, but most importantly, um, this is going to force us to be, uh, you know, more scrappy, more creative. It's going to challenge us personally. It's going to challenge us as a business. And I said, I'll make you one promise and I will base my reputation on it. If we make it through this together, we will be a bigger, better and stronger brand. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not, you know, standing on a soapbox here, but I have to say that, you know, all of us, including myself, just really dug in and we made a conscious decision to make it through. And I think like anything else in life, if you, you know, kind of make that predetermination in your heart, it's going to give you the best chance, you know, for that success. And, uh, you know, we were able to 
you know, launch our digital strategy or grow it by 300%. You know, we came out with our immunity line and, you know, we were right in, in the middle of a fundraise that got cut off. So we had 50% of the capital that we thought we would have to make it through. And, you know, everybody just kind of hunkered down. And, uh, I, you know, if I'm proud of anything, I'm so proud of this brand and to be a part of it, but I am incredibly pr- proud of the men and women that I work with and their commitment to this. Uh, and they kind of, they kind of went along with it. You know, they bought into the notion that we're going to be bigger and better. And, and here we are. And I think we're, I think we're much better. We're getting bigger, but most importantly, you know, we're stronger for it. So um, I lost some people uh, to COVID and God bless everybody who went through a hard time. Uh, So I'm not going to say, hey, COVID was great, but the silver lining was that, you know, if it doesn't, you know, kill you, it makes you stronger. And, uh, you know, here we are. Yeah, yeah, that's inspiring. Um, and, and humbling in, in a lot of ways, you know, this, this has been really hard. I'm, I'm happy to be on this side of it and to be, to be coming out of it. Um, yeah. And we're all blessed and, you know, hopefully it, it builds uh, some, some, you know, just some more awareness and appreciation because a lot of us hunkered down and, you know, American Express called me and said, are you okay? Because I wasn't out there spending money and I was just doing the simple things in life, you know, with my kids and my wife and, and my dog and, you know, just finding ways to, to live a simple life and work really, really, really hard. And to me, you know, notwithstanding the pain that so many of us as, you know, Americans or family members or people have gone through, uh, you know, it, it created some, you know, really exciting stuff for the future. And so why don't we uh, just talk about what's next uh, for, for your company? You know, um, you're going to continue to expand uh, in retail. You know, what, what else are you excited about? Do you have any new um, product lines or flavors or anything coming out? So, uh, you know, we're going to continue to, you know, build on our, our retail uh, expansion strategy, uh, build on our digital strategy. Uh, we're, you know, we're, we're going to relaunch in hospitality because we feel our brand fits really, really well in, you know, high end, uh, restaurants, hotels, clubs, and things of that nature. Um, you know, w- we want to get really exceptional at the things that we're doing now, uh, before we think about, you know, broadening our, our line. Uh, you know, we do have a flavor house that we're always in looking at new flavor profiles. We'll have some new flavors coming out for our line here in the near future. Uh, We just got USDA uh, organic status for our immunity line. So we're launching that uh, next month in some beautiful new painted cans. Uh, So, you know, we're always moving forward. Uh, But the thing, you know, we're we're really excited about as a group um, is, you know, I come from, uh, you know, a background working in philanthropy uh, as a New York City kid who grew up, you know, with, in, in, with great diversity, um, I was exposed to racism of, you know, at very early age and it inspired me to uh, work at, in the inner city communities with underserved, uh, you know, kids uh, through hockey programs and after school programs. And when we launched Cloudwater, I knew that we wanted to have a social mission, but like everything else we do here, we kind of slow roll it because it has to be authentic. And we don't want to just say, hey, we're, you know, we're just donating this or that. And by the way, which is not a bad thing, just for us, you know, we want to make an impact. And um, so we're in the process of launching our social mission, which is really to work uh, with 
underserved communities, specifically those of food desert areas, uh, meaning that, you know, there's just not the emphasis on health and wellness and the education of that in underserved communities. And we not only want to donate product, you know, that's good for you, we want to foster education because we, you know, we believe that every kid uh, deserves, you know, to be exposed to health and wellness and nu- nutrition, you know, regardless of their socioeconomic background. And it just feels real and organic. We have a very diverse uh, workforce here and it's, it's, you know, very top of mind. I didn't want it to be just driven by me. And uh, so besides expanding and making money, you know, we always want to give back and, you know, we've done our part, you know, in any small way we can, like so many brands have done, which, you know, I salute. Uh, but, you know, we want we want this mission to carry forward. So there's we're expanding and making more money and bragging about our wins. We're also you know, making an impact to level the playing field out there. And, you know, I say that with a tremendous amount of pride. So those are some of the highlights. And uh, we do promise some really exciting line extensions and new products in the near future. Uh, but for the time being, we have our hands full. We have a lot of work to do. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll just keep at it. That's awesome. As we wrap up here, um, just wanted to switch over to the quick fire round. Uh, just have four questions for you. Just tell me the first answer that, that comes to mind. Um, sure, I'll try. <laughs> what's a tool or resource that, that has helped you the most in your career? Uh, listening to, um, you know, folks that have gone through, you know, similar challenges or, uh, you know, or even the same challenges. Uh, you know, a lot of people turn to books. Uh, I message people on LinkedIn uh, who maybe I know or I want to meet and say, hey, you know, could I have coffee with you? Uh, I really want to hear like kind of a, a live, you know, rendition of how you handle this or how you made it through. And, uh, you know, that means dropping your ego, your pride and just, you know, reaching out, uh, you know, to a resource that, you know, could invariably just you know, really turn things around or help you through something. Uh, what is one book um, that you'd recommend to people? <laughs> uh, I, 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 I read a book um, called Execution, uh, which is maybe the last book I've had time to read. But what I loved about it uh, was, uh, you know, how they focused on the planning phase of execution, uh, you know, I love to steal steal some lines from the book, but to say that, you know, you can execute flawlessly against a flawed plan and you'll get a flawed outcome, right? So the, you know, people use execution, you know, very loosely, execute, execute. But, you know, the planning and the nimbleness of that planning is really the underpinnings of whether you're going to execute to success or not. And And that really, really resonated uh, with me. I have a few other books, uh, David Kidder, uh, 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 big to great. I think that the title is, I, I know David personally, and I've been following him and I just bought his book and it's on my desk. I'm, I'm going to try to find some time, uh, to read it, but you know, my time has been unfortunately pretty short lately. That's great. Um, what is uh, one piece of advice that you'd give your 21 year old self? <laughs> Don't be so damn cocky <laughs> and think, you, you know, you, you, you know, you know it all. Um, the, 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 the tuition to my success have been my failures. And 
to embrace failures as some of the greatest gifts that you'll ever receive. Because if you do, you're going to be, you, you know, you're going to turn out great as a person. I used to beat the shit out of myself for, you know, for failing because I let somebody else down or whether it's my parents or, or what have you. And I left out the part of embracing, you know, what led to that failure. More importantly, I left out the part of what were the lessons that I could have learned. There's no greater feeling and empowerment than dusting yourself off, having been, you know, flung through the mud and then, you know, taking a step forward. I can't even explain how powerful that is. And a lot of us, you know, seek out pleasure and deflect pain. And that's the type of pain that you need to embrace uh, if you want to be great. And when I say great, I don't mean make money. I mean, just great in a sense that you can, you know, wake up every day confident that you can take on challenges. And no matter what direction they come from, you have confidence in yourself that you'll get back up and move forward. All right. And last, uh, who's uh, one person in, in your field of work that you'd love to take to work? Uh, or sorry, take to take to lunch, you know, maybe somebody that uh, another entrepreneur that you look up to, um, you know, somebody that you've been watching their career, uh, who's somebody that, that you'd love to take to lunch? <laughs> uh, that's such a uh, great question. You know, I'd love to take my father to lunch. He, he inspired me as an entrepreneur. He died when I was 15 and, you know, he was uh, uh, Columbia law, uh, School. Uh, he, he made it to Columbia Law on scholarship, got drafted. When he came home, he said, I don't want to be a lawyer. I want to start my own company. And he started a pet supply company. And I watched him suffer, you know, through building that. And uh, he never got to finish it because he passed away. And uh, I'm sorry if this is esoteric, but I'd love to sit and have lunch with him today. I have, you know, one tattoo on my body. It says, in your honor. And part of that is from my father who, you know, went against the grain started his own business, never got to finish. And I'd love to sit with him today because he was a brilliant man and just kind of, you know, what do you think? Um, you know, there's dozens of people out there I can, you know, say I want to have lunch with, but, you know, he asked me for quick fire and that's what, that's what's in my heart. I'd really love to sit with him one more time and have that discussion, you know, just because I'm here so in part because of the things that he, you know, kind of primed for me when I was, you know, much younger. Yeah, Mark, I, I think that's a great answer. Um, and uh, just to just to wrap up here, um, do you have any parting advice for um, anybody that out there that's uh, in the grind right now with the physical product, trying to get a business off the, the ground, or trying to get into the retail? Um, you know, what what advice could you offer them? Uh, so, you know, a couple parts. First of all, if you're out there in the grind, um, then you've had many similar days to me where. Uh, you either wake up, you don't sleep, or at some point in the day, you kind of collapse into a chair on the floor or whatever, and just ask yourself, what the hell did I get myself into? Or, you know, dark clouds come over you, like failures impending, or I can't do this, I'm not going to make it. And, you know, you're obviously still here because you fought through. And just to know that um, it gets easier uh, you know, the more that you kind of embrace that and fight through it, uh, because the no's, which lead to a lot of these feelings, like you get turned down or you get rejected, they are no for now. They are not no forever, right? It, this is not application to a law school where they said you're rejected and, you know, you, you can't go back. Um, a retailer shuts you down. Uh, it's not, you know, don't take it personally. It could be for a million reasons. Get that feedback. 
and optimize or, or, you know, change the things to make, you know, make, make the company more attractive or what have you, and then go back and submit again. Right. And it really is just sticking with to your guns and your belief system uh, because the continuity of that, you know, will allow you to, you know, really carry this out. It's a numbers game. You just have to keep going back and back and back and just don't give up on your dream. There's just no reason to do it. That's awesome. And that is a great place to, to end. Uh, I appreciate you, Mark, for jumping on with us. I think uh, we've, we've all learned a lot um, and I wish you the best of luck with your product. Thanks, Ken. I love your questions and you know, you made this easy for me and thank you everybody for, for tuning in and listening. I'm humbled to have this opportunity. Good luck at whatever you're doing out there. All right. Good luck. Appreciate it. The Physical Product Movement Podcast is brought to you by Fiddle. To find out more about Fiddle and how our industry-leading inventory ops platform is giving modern brands and manufacturers full visibility into their inventory and operations, visit fiddle.io. And then make sure to search for Physical Product Movement in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found. Make sure to click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Fiddle, thanks for listening. Hey everyone, my name is Taylor Howe and I'm the marketing manager here at Fiddle. I want to jump on real quick to tell you about an incredible free resource that we put together for CPG brands. It's called Fiddle Connect. It's a curated database of over 3,000 co-packers and suppliers. You'll get websites, phone numbers, locations, categories, and more, all in one place. It's a must-have for any CPG brand, especially in the food, beverage, or nutraceutical space. And again, it's 100% free. To get immediate access, just go to fiddle.io forward slash connect. We are constantly updating the database and we promise you're going to love it. It'll save you time and headaches by helping you get to suppliers and co-packers faster than ever. So again, just go to fiddle.io forward slash connect to get free access today.